The key to success lies in nurturing today's talent and shaping the future together. Tune into HR Wired every Tuesday on www.africabusinessradio.com at 10 a.m. Central African time for your weekly dose of HR insights, innovation, and debate. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. prosperity of your venture into Africa is our goal. We are committed to the success of every business in Africa. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. Africa Business Radio, your one-stop resource platform for all things business news, economy, leadership, productivity, investment, and more. ABR, Towards a profitable Africa. edition of Women in a Man's World on Africa Business Radio. This is the show that gives valuable and much-needed information to the modern-day businesswomen in Africa. This is a show for entrepreneurs, women in corporate, and women aspiring to get into business. And it offers information on opportunities, mentorship, and the ins and outs of running a business in Africa. The focus of this show is to give actionable information and inspiration expose and connect female entrepreneurs to opportunities like funding, new markets, collaborations, and support systems across Africa. I'm your host, Kudzai Muchechetere. On today's show, we dive into the ins and outs of getting into a business partnership. We speak to Nwabisa Mayema on the work she's doing at Infinity to create opportunities for female entrepreneurs and have a chat to Namibia's Young Businesswoman of the Year Award winner, Esmeralda Kacherua on her rise from a novice to owning her own boutique law firm in six years. And to finish off, we round down our tech for marketing your business. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Africa Biz Radio, like our Facebook page, Africa Business Radio, and always hashtag Women in a Man's World. Thank you. 
So we're going to start and dive right into what you need to know when you need to form a business partnership. Last week, if you remember, we spoke about the types of businesses to register. And one of the businesses that was there was a partnership. Now, a lot of people were asking and, you know, chatting about this and all the mishaps that happen when you get into a partnership with a friend or a relative or a spouse. So I just thought, okay, let's just get into this. We already know that starting a business is a daunting task for most women and they end up choosing to get into business with someone they know or someone they trust. But more often than would like to acknowledge, most of these partnerships fail and relationships end up being ruined. Now, what are we missing when it comes to forming a lasting business partnership? I think from the very beginning, most people are getting it wrong. You don't get into a partnership because you sat down with a glass of wine with your friend and you decided, oh, not a lot of people are managing estates. Maybe we should do that. Cheers to that and start a partnership. Not exactly how it's supposed to be done. The first point of call for anyone who's thinking about doing business with someone is to do extensive research on your potential partner's background including their reputation. You do not want to get into a partnership with someone who has a bad rep in the business world. Now, this is a personal thing for me because I almost got into a partnership with a lady I had just met at a conference and we realized that we're doing more or less the same thing. We are all about inspiring female entrepreneurs in Africa. And we decided, okay, instead of us creating two publications or, you know, two of each thing that we want to go for, why don't we just combine forces and do this thing together? Now, we started working on this partnership, but I hadn't checked into her background because I didn't know her so well. Remember, this is someone I just met at a conference. And it turned out that she had... A court case going on for fraud and she was wanted by a bunch of people who wanted money from her and a lot of crazy stuff. So for me, that was a lesson that I should always do extensive background research on the person that I want to get into a partnership with. Even if it's your friend, you don't you you're you have a personal relationship with this person. You don't know what they're like in business. You don't know what their reputation is like with clients. Are they nice people like do clients like to do business with them? Are they friendly? You have to find out all those things and you have to know whether or not they're in debt or not, because believe it or not, this will affect your business growth, because if you're getting into business with someone who's going through um, some legal issues or some financial issues or a divorce that could actually affect your business. You should also really be honest with yourself and ask yourself how well you trust your partner in business when it comes to money. Do you trust how they spend their personal money? Now, you can't go into a business with someone who's a big spender and you are the queen of saving. It will not work out because you always butt heads on how to spend your money in the business. You'll be thinking, okay, let's reinvest this money. They're thinking, no, let's go out, all out and get new banners and you'll butt heads on this. Now, if the person is a friend, and most of the times, ladies, we know we like to get into business with friends. It's a great thing. Make sure you have your business interests aligned. Are you on the same page when it comes to doing business? Do you believe in the same strategies? Do you believe, do you have the same vision? Do you have the same mission? Do you have the same work ethic? 
this is very important because these are the reasons why partnerships end up falling out because you're not on the same page when it comes to, to doing business. Select someone who you have experience working with or you've had a trial run with. Now, you know, with spouses or relatives or most of the people we end up choosing to do business with, we don't have a like a work track record of them. We don't have experience. At least do a trial run, you know, just try out a small project and work on it together. See how it's going for you. Do you like how they work? Do you like how they come through? Just try it like that because this could be even someone who's not so close to you, someone from a different company or, you know, someone you meet at a conference like I did. You can't just now set up a partnership with someone like that and you don't know how well they do business or how well they work. Are they motivated? These things are very, very important. And please, ladies, do not partner with someone just because you can't afford to hire them. This is a terrible mistake that most people do, especially growing businesses. You find out, okay, for my business to keep growing, I need someone who will do A, B, C, D and you're thinking, okay, for me to hire that person, they might need quite a bit of money every month and I don't even pay myself that much. So let me look for someone to partner with. This sometimes is a great idea, but most of the times it's not. Rather contract these people, you know, work with them when you need them. Don't get them on a full-time basis. Try working with them part-time. Try working with them per project basis rather than getting them shares in your business, in your company, because you might regret this in future. And always partner with someone with varied strengths. If you're good at marketing, find someone who's good at finances. If you're good at creating the product, find someone who's good at marketing it. You know, you have to balance each other out. You can't just, you know, have the same thing. You're both in marketing. Now, who's going to create the product? Who's going to do the finances? It works better when everyone knows their place. You have to agree upfront what each partner's responsibilities are in the company. Who's doing sales? Who's doing marketing? Who's going to look for new people? Who's going to do the hiring? So that you don't butt heads. When it's all laid down from the very beginning, everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows how much money they're going to be making in the business. Everyone knows how the profit shares are going to happen and when they're going to happen and what you do when you want a loan from the company. It works better. Don't leave it to chance. Don't talk about it when it needs to be spoken about or when there's conflict already in the partnership. Decide on a valuation formula in case a partner decides to leave the company. Now, this is something that most people forget to do. You need to know how you how much your company is going to be worth and what formula you're going to use to calculate that. There are different ways of valuing a company. Now, if you butt heads on this and she uses a different formula and the value of your company comes up to one million and your formula is saying your value of your company is 300,000, then it's a problem because she'll come to you and say, no, you want to undercut me because I know that this company costs this much and you are saying the other thing. The most important thing that you should do before you even start registering a business, before you even start registering your partnership or whatever, make sure you sign, draw up and sign a partnership agreement. The moment you decide, yes, we are going to do this together, we are going to do A, B, C, D together, sit down, crack, open a bottle of wine and make sure you sign a partnership agreement and lay down all the terms of your agreement in this um, 
other terms of your partnership in this partnership agreement because you can't leave anything to chance. You can't first get into business and say, oh, yeah, now let's sign an agreement. It might be too late because, you know, you might be having conflict. And when there's conflict, there's always this thing of revenge and, you know, being spiteful. And they're like, don't leave anything to chance and do everything the moment it's supposed to be done. Now, I hope this will help you if you're thinking of getting into partnership with your friend, with your spouse or whoever it is that you want to join forces with because a partnership is a beautiful thing. You know, you get to split losses, you get to split profits, you get to do half the work. And you get to create an amazing product by putting all your strengths together. And this will help you grow your business better. So before you sign on the dotted line, make sure you've done your research. Make sure you know everything that you need to know about your partner, about your industry, about your business. Thank you guys for listening to this very important segment. I hope you're all warmed up and ready for the show because after this, we are going to be chatting to Nwabisa Mayema, who's going to tell us about her work that she does in creating opportunities for women in business. Stay tuned to Africa Business Radio. Business news, business resources, economic analysis, market analysis from expert and industry leaders in African enterprise. Get more for a profitable African venture. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. The South African Institute of Professional Accountants, making meaningful contributions to the accountancy profession and your career. Hi, I'm Bonzo Matigzela, a senior lecturer in accounting at the University of Johannesburg. Joining a professional body like SIPA suggests that one is conscious about who they are, their choice of working environment, and the experiences they want to have. I encourage my students to obtain the SIPA Professional Accountant SA designation. Professional Accountant SA. The accounting designation of choice. Tune in to Africa Business Radio on www.africabusinessradio.com. Find us on Facebook, Africa Business Radio, and on Twitter, Africa Biz Radio. Towards a profitable Africa. Welcome back to Women in a Man's World on Africa Business Radio. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Africa Biz Radio. 
or like our Facebook page, Africa Business Radio, and always hashtag Women in a Man's World. I am now joined by Nwabisa Mayema, and we're going to be talking about the opportunities available in women. Now, most women put themselves in a box and sometimes don't see the opportunities available for them in the market. Sometimes they don't know who to approach and how to do it in order for them to access, to, get, to have access to new opportunities and markets. Nwabisa, through her organization, Infinity, is creating a platform to create wider networks for female entrepreneurs in Africa. Great to have you on the show, Nwabisa. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Could you just give our audience a quick run of the work you do uh, at Infinity? Right. So Infinity is essentially a startup that is a partnership. As I heard you were discussing partnerships yes. earlier. So it's a partnership between myself, Noibisa, and my business partner, Nicola. Um, hence the two ends in our name. And the two of us decided to start Infinity based on the fact that we were both second-time entrepreneurs. So Nikki had been running her own business for eight years with another partner, and I'd been running my own business for 10 and a half years with a different partner. And we realized that whilst we'd achieved some level of success in our businesses, this could have happened quicker, it could have happened with half the effort, hopefully, and hopefully also with double the output had we been men, and in my case, had I been a white man. Okay. So we realized that often when we're talking about how do we support entrepreneurs, we often are quick to jump to the conclusion that what we need is money in our businesses, Mm -hmm. which is nice. But if a business is doing well, it should be generating its own money. And the second thing that people tend to also offer us is maybe people in our businesses. So what we would call human capital. But the third piece that I think we tend to forget is the idea of social capital, which is that you need to be existing in a network of um, people and institutions that will support your business, whether they become clients, suppliers, advocates, champions, mentors, partners, and all of that. But you need to have this idea of social capital to help grow your business. And mm-hmm. So Infinity was founded with the idea of growing female entrepreneurs and women-owned businesses in Africa through the use and the leveraging of existing relationships. So it meant that we needed to work very hard in terms of making sure that we have a very strong network as a business, which obviously stems from our own networks as individuals, which we can then share with women that we work with. Okay. So in in terms of what we offer to women-owned businesses is, one, we offer basic advisory services. So what we mean by that is we often work with entrepreneurs who are at a point in their business where they need to make a decision. So she's no longer a startup, but she needs to make a decision in terms of does she want to grow her business in terms of geographical location? Does she want to grow her business by adding on more services or a new product line? Or does she want to grow her business by adding more employees? Or sometimes does she actually want to bring in a new partner or an investor into her business? But we help the entrepreneur get to that point of making that decision and help them make that decision and then let them go. Okay. Um, the second bit of services that we offer as a business is we offer a public speaking forum, which is actually called Speaker Box. This came from a personal experience where we realized that there are many people who want to hear our stories as entrepreneurs, but very few of those people are willing to pay us. And so it was saying that as an entrepreneur, you have to value your time in everything that you do. And so we can no longer also rely on the idea that exposure will pay our bills 
or add to our profit margins. And so you need to make sure that you're able to demand for your time to be paid for when you're asked to speak at different um, functions. But at the same time, given the fact that somebody is now going to pay for your services and for your time, you need to make sure that you can show up. And so through our public speaking platform, we then offer training for female entrepreneurs in terms of what is your story, how can you leverage that time on stage to talk about your business and get and have a call to action to your audience. And at the same time, make sure that you then are the kind of speaker who then will be called upon by other different organizers to speak and get paid for, for your time. Okay. And the third... The third aspect to our business is then creating a corridor of exchange between South African entrepreneurs at the moment and entrepreneurs in Europe. At the moment, we're working with two countries in Europe, and there we've actually put together what we call the Growth Maker Program. And that program looks at um, entrepreneurs who work as a cohort in South Africa with a corresponding cohort in another country in Europe. And through that exchange, which includes actually going to each other's countries, they then firstly build um, people-to-people relationships, but at the same time have access to market by actually being in those markets and what we call an immersion. And at the same time, you get to network and meet people in those different markets, which hopefully can look at building your database in terms of future clients, future partners, and people to collaborate with. And of course, through all of this, there's huge learnings in terms of best practice, um, what can you apply in your own business, and of course, friendship um, exercises. Um, And so through that, that's what Infinity is about. Um, And as I said, we are a startup, so we are in our second year, but it's been phenomenal being a part of this. And I think what is really interesting from our side is we view ourselves as entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs, which is a little bit different. It's, in yeah, it's quite interesting. That exist. It's quite interesting yeah. that you're a startup for startups. You know, you, you don't hear that most of the well, times. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, yeah, so, so you, you guys are based you guys are based in Cape Town. Well, I'm based in Cape Town and Nikki's based in Johannesburg. So effectively, we operate out of Johannesburg and Cape Town. Okay, so how do you collaborate with entrepreneurs? Is it online or do you work with them face to face? No, we specialize. So we specialize in the hybrid learning method. So we do have online uh, tools that we use, but there's huge value from our side in terms of making sure that we have face-to-face contact with our entrepreneurs. So yes, that comes with its limitations in terms of how quickly we can grow our client base. But we also find that at the moment where there is such focus on tech and such focus on us trying to do things, you know, via the internet. Uh, we're trying to almost shift the other way around and say that there's huge value in face-to-face contact yeah. and getting to know each other in maybe a slower pace, but it builds that relationship. Okay. So if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a growing business, I, I need some guidance and I need to create a network of you know, suppliers or people who I can just work with to make my business more available or more accessible rather, what programs are available for me in your organization? So from our side, we remember, as I said, we work with entrepreneurs who are what we call post-income, post-revenue. So we're Mm. no longer a startup. And so we have specific programs aimed at getting them to, you know, to make these decisions that they need to make for their business. So we have what we call the Growth Maker Program, which is specifically aimed at entrepreneurs in the creative industries who are specifically looking at growing their geographical footprint. Um, And then, as I said, we have our consulting services, which we then provide on a bespoke method, depending on the size of the business, the needs of the business and the availability of the entrepreneur. 
Okay. So for female entrepreneurs in general, what opportunities are available for us to grow our businesses? Because you, you mentioned earlier that you experienced that you could have grown your business much faster if you had been a male and more specifically a white male. Now, yes. we know opportunities are out there, but what opportunities can we take advantage of right now that are there for us as women of color who are in business? Right. So I think the first thing when we look at a regulatory framework uh, level is we've got to make sure that we all understand our codes of good practice when it comes to the black broad-based black economic empowerment rules. Because whilst sometimes in terms, especially the, the existing narrative is that your triple B in, um, initiatives are seen as a punishment or a threat to businesses. And yet mm-hmm. they're a huge, huge incentive for us to grow our businesses because they provide for incentives that are tangible for large corporates and for other organizations to work with you as a woman-owned business to be able to become a supplier and to also access skills development programs and even enterprise development programs. So I think that is for me my first port of call is to start scratching around in terms of what corporations are offering what programs in terms of enterprise development funds and um, economic social development funds because that in itself is a regulated service is coming through from government mm-hmm. and big business needs to do this. And so when you are a woman of color, you really are sort of sitting at the top of the pile for a change. Yeah. And so you are very desirable for the different businesses to collaborate with and to work with. So for me, I'd say that we should not run away from BEE. We should use it. It is incredibly useful and it's a huge tool to grow a business. And um, the second thing is that there are actually huge, huge organizations that are both international and local that exists that you can sign up for. Some of them will probably need a fee for you to pay, but that is what we could call that an investment. So if you look at organizations like We Connect, where you actually are mm-hmm. signing up to a huge network that exists um, both in South Africa and particularly in the United States of America, you suddenly have access to a group of women entrepreneurs and at the same time a network of corporations who have pledged that they will now make sure that their procurement decisions have a bias towards women-owned businesses. And we're talking huge, huge corporations that are both, um, you know, hotels, uh, restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I've got a bit of feedback here, so I'm just wondering if... I can hear you perfectly. I can hear you perfectly. Okay. okay. Now, with female entrepreneurship, I am big on accessing new markets and expanding into Africa and not just limiting ourselves to doing business in the areas that we grew up in or the areas that we're familiar with, but also trying to go out there and exploring new markets that are available for us. Now, you're doing work um, connecting um, entrepreneurs to the EU. Um How do female entrepreneurs get to a point where they say, okay, now I want to access a new market. I want to try and do business in Botswana, for example. What do they do when they get to that point? What's their next part of call? Nwabisa? Okay. We can can hear you. I'm sorry. I'm just here. Okay, the connection is a bit bad. Nabisa, can you hear us? Okay, we think we seem to have lost Nabisa at a very crucial point, but I will get her back. 
in studio and maybe do a whole topic on how we can access new markets and how we can explore other opportunities available around the world. Like she mentioned that she works on connecting female entrepreneurs to the EU and vice versa and actually getting them to go there and see the opportunities available. So maybe we can do a whole new topic on that and talk about expanding our business into Africa because it is a woman's world now and it's not just the men who are getting on planes to do business across the world. It is us too. Now, guys, remember to follow us on Twitter at Africa Biz Radio or like our Facebook page, Africa Business Radio and always hashtag woman in a man's world. It's so unfortunate that I can't say goodbye to Nabisa now, but... Hi. Because I am oh, back, I think. She's back. She's she's a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> she's a kicker. So I was just telling our audience that um, I lost you at a very crucial moment where I wanted to ask you about did. how we can access new markets. You said you help connect um, African entrepreneurs or the entrepreneurs you work with here to the EU and stuff. So I was asking if I wanted to do business or expand my business into Botswana or the like, how would I go about it? What What is my first port of call, so to speak? So I think your first port of call, like in any endeavor, is to find out, first of all, what do you want out of that opportunity? Mm. So I think it's all good and well to say that I want to go sell things in Botswana. But what are these things that you want to sell in Botswana? How many of them? How do you think you'll sell them? And then to actually then do your research in terms of what then exists in Botswana who are the people who are doing what I'm doing? And if there's no one doing what I'm doing, why not? Mm. Um, you can't assume that just because something is not happening is because nobody else wants to do it or they can't. Sometimes there are very specific reasons that are localized as to why certain things don't happen. Then the next thing, I think, is to really then find out again, I'm all about regulations. So then find out about that country's regulatory framework. So do you need to register a business in that country or do you need to get yourself an import-export license? Do you need to, need to go through a clearing house and that sort of thing? And so you need to absolutely be sure so that you don't then go ahead and set up your operations. Meanwhile, you maybe are conf uh, conflating some sort of rules that exist in that new market. And then I would say that if you have the resources, and hopefully you do if you're looking at moving markets, you, you actually dislocate yourself and get yourself into that market whether it's partly social, but at the same time, you're there to do a business development mission where you need to start making friends and start being able to put faces to names and building your own relationships. And where possible, you get to the point where you've got somebody who is your key point person in that market so that you have a trusted advisor and a trusted partner in that place because you obviously can't be in more than one place at the same time. Yeah, And then I would say that from there, you then obviously go back and you uh, take in all the feedback that you'd received in terms of do you need to adjust your services or your product line? Do you need to adjust your pricing? And the only way to actually figure out if something works is to then do it. Um, and so I would say then you get into market and you, you stick it out, though. So just because things don't work out in the first 30 days or even 90 days, you have to stick it out in order to then be sure that you are in the right place at the right time. But also make sure that at all times you're being agile and dynamic enough to allow for the market to give you the feedback that you can use to then innovate and or improve what you've got going on. Okay. All right. Thank you for, so much for the advice. Now, I had already promised our listeners that we would expand this topic of 
getting into new markets with you. So we hope to get you sure. back and discuss that further because it's something that's very important to me. I feel like we should look at expanding our businesses and look at growing businesses that will last for generations and not just small-scale entrepreneurship as women. Thank you so much for, for joining us and thank you so much for sharing your information. Now, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or want to get in touch with your organization, how do they do that? The best bet is to actually send me an email. Um, so you can send an email to nwabisa at infinity.co.za. Okay, and this is infinity with an N-N. It doesn't have an yes. I. Okay, and your yes. social media pages? We've got our Twitter pages is at infinity beyond. Okay. And our Facebook page, which is infinity. But the best bet in terms of a quick response is through email. Okay. So, guys, if you want to get in touch with Nabisa, you can contact her and send an email at nabisa at infinity with an N-N. .co.za. Thank you so much for joining us, Nabisa. Thank you, Kutai. Have a good afternoon. You too. Now, guys, we are about to get to start chatting with Namibia's Young Businesswoman of the Year Award win- winner, Esmeralda Kachewura from all the way from Namibia. She's an amazing lawyer. She has her own law firm and she did it all in six years from graduating to having your own law firm. So stay tuned to Africa Business Radio. You're listening to Women in a Man's World. The key to success lies in nurturing today's talent and shaping the future together. Tune into HR Wired every Tuesday on www.africabusinessradio.com at 10 a.m. Central African time for your weekly dose of HR insights, innovation, and debate. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. prosperity of your venture into Africa is our goal. We are committed to the success of every business in Africa. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. Talking to Africa is the show that tables some of Africa's most pressing issues, explores the narrative that surrounds them, and links them back to Africa's reputational equity. Thank you for joining us on Africa Business Radio. We are live every Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. South African Standard Time. If you missed the show, you can catch it again on Thursdays and Fridays at the same time by going to africabusinessradio.com. We like to ask the questions, what is being said? Who is saying it? What is their agenda? And what will be the impact? ABR, Towards a Profitable Africa. Africa Business Radio, your one-stop resource platform for all things business news, economy, leadership, productivity, investment, and more. ABR, Towards a Profitable Africa. Art isn't just something aesthetically beautiful. There are business principles that are important to have in order for you to make money out of your art. Art means business right here on Africa Business Radio towards a profitable Africa.
Africa Business Radio, your one-stop resource platform for all things business news, economy, leadership, productivity, investment, and more. ABR, Towards a Profitable Africa. Welcome back to Women in a Man's World on Africa Business Radio. You're listening to your host... Remember to follow us on Twitter at Africa Biz Radio, Facebook, Africa Business Radio, and in all your conversations, hashtag Women in a Man's World. Now I am joined by Esmeralda Kachirua from Namibia. She is the Namibian Young Business Woman of the Year Award winner. Thank you for joining us and congratulations on your win. Thank you very much for inviting me. <laughs> It's nice to have you. Now, you have climbed the legal, I don't know if I should call it the legal ladder, the corporate ladder, life's ladder in such a short period of time. And you've done amazing work. You have gone from being a junior to a director at Angula and Co. And now you own your own boutique law firm. And this has been in what, six years Yes, more or less. More or less six years. Now, how did you create yeah. a roadmap for this? Did did you dream it out from the beginning or how did you go about it? Well, I think um, it's one of those things that you just sort of know once you graduate that um, at some stage in your life, you want to make a difference. And um, you want to do it also in a manner that not only sets an example for yourself or pushes you forward, but also sets an example for others. Um, and I think it's just the drive and the passion for law that that sort of motivated me to to go from you know a graduate to a to to a, to a private practice legal practitioner to then um, strive to become a director at the company that you're at and then eventually just start your own firm. Okay. So um, um, I can't tell you how, as opposed to just the mere fact that you knew you wanted to do it and you just had to do it by all means necessary. And, you, and I just went for it. Okay. Now, a lot of women set out to study law, but when you look at the faces of law throughout Africa, it's a lot of men. You don't see a lot mm-hmm. of female faces. Now, you're in the industry. Can you tell us, can you just break it down for us why that is? So just come back again. Okay. I was asking, when it comes to law, we see a lot of male faces as judges or, you know, faces in law, but a lot of women also graduate when they study law now why is it that the faces that we associate with law and the faces that we see every day associated with law are men you're facing a you see the issue is um um i think i think if i understood your question correctly it's it's an issue of there's a lot of lawyers that are female um that have graduated with law degrees and so on but a lot of us are naturally maybe not naturally but some choose to be to the more to remain out of the private practice space and that is where obviously we are not seen as lawyers. So we remain corporate lawyers, legal advisors, company secretaries, and so on. So it makes it difficult to understand um, sort of the ratios between males and females that are that are lawyers. Um, it is a challenge to be, I believe, um, that you know why that happens. It's a challenge as a female to be in private practice, to run your own law firm, and to do all the other life expectations as well at the same time. And hence, I think um, a lot of my fellow females sort of choose to, to to go into the corporate space, to go into other avenues of law where they can practice on a more um, sort of calm basis. But you do have phenomenal women 
that are in the private practice that have sort of surfaced or survived or sort of um, decided to stay in the private practice and, and remain mm-hmm. seen in the law and make a difference. Not that yeah. those that went are not doing that, but uh, as I say, it's a more noticeable type of um, platform when you are okay. in the private. So it's uh, more of it's world. more comfortable for for us to to be in in the private one where we don't have to be in the papers all the time. Where you don't have what? Sorry, I'm saying. So is it more comfortable for female lawyers to be in the background and not be in a place where you have to be in the papers all the time? Well, I don't know about background more than I more than I I, I appreciate an environment, mm. um, and and I'll speak only for myself as opposed to for most women. It might not be true for everyone, mm. but um, the issue is as as women, especially in, in my situation where you're a mother, you're you're you know your wife and so on. Um, the private the demand in private practice is extremely extremely um, tasking. And, um, and and again, and I speak, you know, with the greatest respect to my fellow colleagues that are on, in the corporate space. Equally so, in the corporate space, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of demand and a lot of work to be had there. Um, however, when you're running your own firm, especially, it is mm. it, it's much more difficult and much more tasking because naturally you've got all these responsibilities that you have to care for, amongst others, not only from the business space, uh, but also just to practice law in itself, and then also then to fill your other roles that you have in your, in, you know, in your personal space. Mm. So it definitely can be done. Um, it's just an issue of what what have you put in place to make it work. Okay. Now in Namibia, you're not only a young woman practicing law under your own law firm, mm-hmm. but you're also mm-hmm. an Ochiarero woman doing this now. Yes. I've, I've, okay. <laughs> Someone in in studio just asked me what that means. So, it's a tribe in 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 Namibia. Herero is yes. a tribe in Namibia. So it's and it's not yes. the biggest one. The biggest one is Oshivambo. And most people that do a lot of things that are noticeable are Oshivambo speaking. And in a country that puts a lot of weight on which tribe you are when you are in charge, and a lot of stereotypes <laughs> attached to tribe. I bet there are a lot of obstacles that you face. Now, how have you overcome these obstacles? And in fact, let me start by asking you what obstacles you've encountered because of this. Um, I must say, uh, I have not actually encountered any obstacles because of the fact that I'm a speaking woman with mm-hmm. the firm. Um, again, there's a lot of, I know a lot of my colleagues and my peers that are Oshiro speaking that have, um, that are legal practitioners. Uh, but there are none that run their own law firms as I do. Um, to my knowledge, I have not, I'm the first Ojero woman to have actually opened a law firm and actually been running one. Um, I know after me now, there's one or two um, females that have actually made partner and directors at other law firms, uh, but that came now obviously after myself. There's, I think the challenges that I face as a female rather than an Ojero speaking mm. person um, are similar to those that are faced by other females of other tribes, for that matter. Mm. Um, it is just one of those things that it was the first time, sort of, um, it's, it's a milestone for us in, in my, from my tribe's perspective. Yeah. But definitely, I wasn't the first as a female, um, as a female, you know, legal practitioner that had started their own law firm. So the challenges that I faced are, you know, the usual challenges that everybody faces that are female that are in this world um, and that are in the fraternity rather. 
So it has nothing to do, you know, the say with the tribe that I am. Okay, or, but what, um, what challenges have that, you yeah. faced as a woman in law? Well, um, I think, you know, the, the, the economic um, climate um, in which I started the firm is not your most favorable, in Namibia currently now, well, it's not your most favorable one. So, I mean, I started this firm last year, February, so I've been just in, in, in it in about over a year now. And the time when I started, our economy was really all really started going down quite quite significantly. That meant that obviously the clients, you know, people are not um, engaging lawyers as much as they used to. It's a luxury now to say, um, I need a lease agreement. Let me go to a lawyer rather than let me, you know, sort of Google it and do it myself mm-hmm. type of a situation. Yeah. So a lot of um, so those are the challenges that I, that I face currently. It's obviously to get and grow the client base, and really sort of. Um, you know, put your credentials out there so that people can actually see and, and know what it is that you're capable of and so on. But um, I've been lucky in that space because I've had a few high-profile cases that have sort of put me on the map mm. on top of the fact that obviously I won that businesswoman, Young Businesswoman Award last year. But the challenges are and remain um, growing your client base, managing the firm as a business and managing the firm then as a lawyer practicing law and then making that impact and that difference. So that is, I think, the challenge that um, I have faced over the year. Okay. Now, you mentioned something about um, the economic climate in Namibia right now. So it's it's been in a bit of a slump for for some time now, and you've chosen, you chose to open a business at that specific time. Now, for most people, they would have you know, ran for the hills and said, okay, no, I'm not going to do this now. In your... Yeah. When you look at it, doing the business in Namibia, is it improving for, you know, more people to say, okay, let me go out and start a business or is it a time to be cautious about starting your business in the country? Personally, I think it's a time to be a little bit more cautious about starting a business um, because, like I said, everybody's toning down. Um, your housing markets are toning down. Your obviously lending is toning down. Our government in itself is also toning down in many respects. Um, and I must say, I speak under under correction in that regard as well. I don't have mm. the full facts, but from what I have observed, and in, in, in my in my respectful opinion, it is not a time to just haphazardly um, look into something and simply just start it. In the legal fraternity as well, we have seen a rise of many lawyers that have started um, their own law firms. And so on, and, and and obviously everybody sort of have an idea as to how they want to, where they will get their, where they will source their clients from, and whom, um, or perhaps when they do then start, they have you know sort of a handful of clients, with whom they will start the firm with. So it is rather a time, I believe, to be a little bit more cautious to start business. But naturally, we can't sit still yeah. and wait for better climate. Sort of. If you can start now and sort of survive through this climate, you know, I think only better things are to come, you know, when 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 eventually things pick up, which which I believe they will do. Okay. So um, I think it's an issue. It's a personal choice. It's one that you must do your homework quite carefully. Um, you know, we don't have the same responsibilities as individuals. Therefore, you can't necessarily attune my situation to that of the next person. I mean, for mm. example, um, I might have a home loan to pay when I move from my other job and. And, and someone else might not. So if I decide to st- to start a business now, I know for a full blown fact that for the first six months I probably wouldn't take a salary, if if, yeah. if not longer than that. So I need to have an understanding as to how I'm gonna how I'm gonna pay for my loans and my other personal um, commitments without necessarily drowning. So these are all factors that should influence you as an entrepreneur to decide 
and a professional for that matter to decide whether you will um, commence a business or whether you would rather hang tight and wait for mm. better days or whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really an individual assessment. One must do your homework and understand the financial climate, the economy, understand the clients, understand uh, the business world and so on, and, and, and make an informed decision. Okay. Now, it's, it's Mother's Week, and you are a mother and a wife yourself. How have you managed to juggle and wear all your hats successfully, building a career and also raising a family? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's the greatest challenge for a mother. <laughs> and happy Mother's Day to everybody who is a mother and those that are, you know, going to be mothers. <laughs> mm. um, to be a mother is one of those things that you, you, you can't get rid of it regardless of where where you are. And you feel sometimes there's, a, there's an issue of guilt if you can't get to your child swimming or, you know, and, and it's, such a, it's such a drag to you personally. But um, the bigger picture and I think the most and the ultimate thing rests on the type of support that you have. I've been fortunate enough with my husband. Um, he's in the corporate space, so he's got a little. So we are able to sort of attune our schedules in such a way that um, we, you know, we, you know, one person is there at, at all times. If it's not myself, then you know he goes and so on. Mm-hmm. But naturally, you want to do a little bit more or more every time as a mother, and you would always feel that you're not doing enough. <laughs> yeah. We are always harsh, you know, on ourselves in that regard. But um, I think timing and I think scheduling things and, and just having the right support system around you is, is the only way that you can make it work. Um, you know, you can't can't do it alone. That, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you don't have a husband or whatever, you can still do it if you just have a strong, you know, support, support system, system. Otherwise, yeah. yeah, okay, to be able to just help you out because obviously emergencies and stuff obviously pops up. And then all of a sudden you have to be in court for an urgent matter and, you know, you have to drop everything and go. So you need to just have that one sister where you can just go drop your kid off for the next 24 hours or whatever. And, um, yeah, and then you make it like that. Um, It is really, it's not an easy thing, but um, it it can definitely be done. So on the times that you have, on the off days, sort of where you have a more calm office and so on, I think as a mother it's important to then really spend a lot of time with your kids, with your husband, and make sure that you make up for the times when it's really now quite mm-hmm. hectic. All right. Now, we might have listeners tuning in and thinking, okay, I have been working at this law firm for X amount of years, and I also want to open. Sorry? I'm saying we might have listeners who are thinking to themselves, mm-hmm. I also want to open my own boutique law firm or, you know, do my own thing. What advice would mm-hmm. you give them, you know, if they are working at another law firm right now or if they're even still studying mm-hmm. towards it or, you know, what advice would yeah. you give them that you wish someone had given you when you set out to open your own law firm? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's an understanding of the law firm as a whole um, and it's an understanding of your role as a lawyer because you know when you when you run a law firm like myself now you know you sort of play all sorts of roles first of all you must be a lawyer to be seen i.e you must practice law you must be in court you must be winning cases alternatively just you know doing cases and um and 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 so you must be involved in the practice of law and changing the law for that matter creating president in your name and, and arguing in law and, and basically be a lawyer um, but at the very same time, you must run a business that is profitable. So it's not an issue of just, um, you know, I'm going to court or whatnot. You have to understand the business dynamics of, of lawyers. Clients don't just 
sometimes turn up, but not, not even sometimes. Most times clients don't just turn up. They turn up because of a referral. They turn up because of sort of, um, you know, seeing your work in the space that you're supposed to be seen at. Yeah, you need um, to be visible. And then they bring the business to you, you know. Mm. And most of the time, about 85% of the time, you have to go and find the business. So you have to go to a client and convince them and say, listen, I'm able to do your corporate work for you. Um, this is my profile. Give me an opportunity. So that aspect of business, you should also run at the very same time as you're running, um, as, as you're being a lawyer. And remember being a lawyer, if you want to be a proper lawyer, definitely, you need to have a lot of research. You need to have a lot of reading. You need to understand a lot of changes that are happening you know, mm. in, in in your jurisprudence and so on. So then there's also the element of managing your human resources, your firm, your day-to-day, your, your day-to-day things. Um, you've got employees, you've got juniors and stuff like that that you have to look after. Yeah. And um, that takes also a lot of time. And sometimes those things are so, you know, are so, are so small, but, you know, they take so much time that you don't even get to go and, um, and do the other important things that are equally, you know, that are equally looking for your attention. So my advice, I think, to everybody is to really appreciate those dynamics and just make sure that you're ready to do that. I mean, just even even just crisis managing it at, at the office is also quite a challenge. Yeah. You know, someone comes in and says, um, my cat, unfortunately, is sick. I can't come to work today. And on that day, there was an important scheduled meeting or whatever. So you have to sort of fill in and, and because, you know, you don't have any other choice. So yeah. I think those dynamics are what people really must understand. It's not just an issue of I'm a lawyer and I can open a firm. Is um, I'm a lawyer, I have some sort of business understanding as well. If I don't have it, I can get it. Or I have someone who can support me in that respect. I also have an understanding of the finances. Remember, obviously, if you're Everything. making money and someone else yeah. is managing it for you, that's also another problem. And also, I'm a lawyer and I can actually work with people. I can lead a team and I can really influence a team to do better. So all of those dynamics, I think someone must really understand before they they do that. And most importantly, I can't stress this enough, um, being self-employed is not necessarily as easy as it sounds, as lucrative as it sounds, or as um, attractive as it sounds. There's, um, There's a long period of time that you will be without money. Um, a salary for yourself for that matter is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, because even if you are sort of, you know, making this money, you, you have to put it back into the business. Yeah. And there's a lot of investment that you have to make. And a lot of people forget so that. You, they think you're going to be rich the moment you register a business. But yeah, it doesn't exactly. actually and work you know, like that. We always, you know, we're happy and say, look, I've got this big client, for example, and yeah. I stick away and I think I'm going to start my own law firm. I've got a big fat client that can support it doesn't, me. Yeah. But um, the overheads and, and these type of things is what we sort of miss and we miscalculate. And uh, we get stuck in this thing, you know. So for a long time, you're not earning anything. You've got responsibilities, like the example that I said, you know, you've got, for example, a car that you have to pay off, that you have in your name, yeah. and you've got a family to take care of, and so on. So we really must do and, and have a very calculated decision before we start, before, you know, one can start your own law firm. Okay. It's really not as just as easy as I'm a lawyer and I can do it, that mm-hmm. of a situation. Thank you so much for that advice, because it's something that people don't think of they think oh it's going to be easy i'm a great lawyer so i'm going to have a great law firm but we forget that it's actually a business that has finances and overheads and all those other scary little things that we don't like to think about thank you so much for Mm -hmm. joining us and thank you so much for sharing your story with us and we hope that we have inspired 
some listeners. And um, mm-hmm. if I get into trouble and I'm arrested, where do I go? <laughs> if I find myself in <laughs> Namibia <laughs> and I'm in a fix, how do I reach out to your law firm? <laughs> well, um, you've got my contact details. Um, there's obviously a whole list of us in, in the movie as well. <laughs> but um, we, are in the, we are in the process of establishing klp.com, klp-nam.com. So all our contact details would be on, on the website as well. Okay. Uh, but please don't get arrested here. It means that you've done something wrong, or at least they think you've done something wrong. It could wrong. be a misunderstanding, so, um, language barrier. Come visit and, and, and be very um, law-abiding. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for coming on the show. And again, congratulations on your win, and I wish you the best. And I hope you keep thank growing you and doing your best. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity and exposure um, <laughs> to, to, to your listeners. I really hope that the little that I've shared will have inspired at least one or two other females. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, you're listening to Africa Business Radio, and the show is Women in a Man's World. I am your host, Kudzai Muchechetere. We are going to dive straight in to tech and trends, my favorite topic where we round off and just give you a bit of what tech is out there and what you can use. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Africa Biz Radio and like our Facebook page, Africa Business Radio, and always hashtag women in a man's world. So today I just want to talk about how to market your business online on a shoestring budget. Now, as business owners, we always run on a tight budget and we don't have big marketing campaigns or, um, you know, these big marketing budgets. We can't do banners in town. We can't do TV adverts because those are just expensive. So here's a rundown of how you can market your business effectively on a shoestring budget. Now, when it comes to posting on Facebook, we all know that it's the time for social media and it's best to market your business on social media because it's cheap and you find a lot of people there. But the time for us to actually sit down and create these posts and post every single hour, every two hours when we can't get someone to work as a social media manager. Well, the solution to that is for you to get Hootsuite. Now, this is an app and you can also just have go on their website and sign up where you can schedule all your Facebook or Twitter, Instagram posts, all your social media posts on one page. And you can share them to multiple pages at the same time and schedule them for later in the day, later in the week, or even later in the month or later in the year, depending on which package of Hootsuite you are. It starts on a free package for three social media sites, and it will make it easier for you to manage your social media. And you can stream everything on one page and see who's responding, who's mentioning you and everything. And you can also get WordPress um, to create your own business site. Now, it's always recommended that your business have a website where people can Google you and find you and know what you're about. You can create a one-page website. It's enough for a start. Um, Go over to WordPress and try and create one there. It's quite easy. They have very easy templates. Now, when it comes to adverts, like I mentioned, most entrepreneurs don't have big budgets to do TV or radio ads, but you can always do social media ads, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. These are very cheap for a few bucks, um, a hundred rand. You can get your ad out there and you can market your business. You can use course schedule to think about topics that you want to, you know, blog about and when you'd want to share them, social media posts, where you want to share them. 
and um, there's MailChimp that you can use to send out newsletters to your clients so that they know about your business and they know about your current offers. And if you're a store or a local business, always use Google Plus Local because it lists you on the Google website or not website, but Google search and people around you can easily find your business. Now, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you didn't, you can catch the podcast. Today, we spoke about what you should do when forming a partnership. We spoke to um, Nwabisa. Mayema about the opportunities available for women in business and we were inspired by Esmeralda Cachuera, Cacherua, sorry about that Esmeralda, uh, and how she started her law firm and you know tips on what you should do when you are starting a law firm and what you should look out for and I just rounded up some tech trends that you should be on the lookout for when you're marketing your business. Remember to always tune in to Women in a Man's World every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on Africa Business Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Africa Biz Radio and like our Facebook page Africa Business Radio and always hashtag Women in a Man's World. Until next week guys have a profitable week. Business news, business resources, economic analysis, market analysis from expert and industry leaders in African enterprise. Get more for a profitable African venture. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. The South African Institute of Professional Accountants, making meaningful contributions to the accounting.